everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and right over there is Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Hello, Nikki. Hello, Pete. Uh, very excited for our show today, mostly because our guests actually did all the work. We just had to show up. <laughs> And I, <laughs> I love right. that. Uh, we are, we're talking to, uh, James and Jules. They're back on the show. Before we turn over to them, though, you know, yay! yes, yay. <laughs> and there was much celebrating. Uh, you know the drill. Head over to Take Control ADHD. Get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to our mailing list. Right on the homepage, you'll get an email every time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control ADHD. And if you support the ADHD podcast, if you're a longtime listener and find your life has been impacted positively by something we've done over the past six years, I hope you'll consider supporting us with just a few dollars a month on Patreon. If you were a Patreon supporter right now, you would be in a live stream with our guests and me and Nikki uh, watching this recording live, asking questions if you have them uh, and joining us in real time. And that's really fun. It's just one of the perks that you get uh, for joining up with us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. It has been enormously heartwarming to watch that group grow. And so thank you everybody for supporting us. Okay. James and Jules, they're back. The other dynamic yeah. podcasting duo in ADHD have just wrapped their first <laughs> season of The Complex, a podcast yes. that approaches ADHD through the lens of a fictional apartment complex and its many ADHD residents. They're here today to share a bit about their experience and lessons learned in approaching the ADHD community through a podcast platform james and jules welcome back to the show thank you thank you and uh, pete, yes and pete i find it so uh intriguing that i hear finishing the first season <laughs> yeah you, you know a little bit of foreshadowing going on here that. maybe uh I'm, gonna lie to you. I, I'm, I'm loading that up i'm gonna be uh, leaning in on that foreshadowing i know when you were here last time you were hesitant about what you were going to do for your next season i'm through with you being hesitant uh, you had a great first season, We're so screw you forward. it. You need to be doing another season. Uh, talk to your financiers, and let's make that happen. Okay. Well, I'm uh, I'm blushing if people can't see it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I we we definitely have lit a fire here, and there's um, it's it's a very fun fun way to find out about ADHD and how to manage it. And it's just been phenomenal. We've had a lot of, we've, anyway, a, we have a great time here. The second season would definitely be a lot easier to do because we've well, production already done, done it. Done it. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like so, you're on Pete's side already. I mean, Hey, I'm, oh. you know, I'm, I am not above piling fun. on, man. <laughs> It's a lot of fun. Like, it is a lot know. of fun. And, 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 yes, and it it's is. a great way to get information out there, and it's a great way to engage with all kinds of different people. Well, it is, and it's 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 a great way to get information across and strategies. And as you were saying earlier, Nikki, it's the afterthought shows have turned out to be this really rich conversation between Jules and I. And, and, and it's really where I have found I am best. Well, you put me in front of a camera that I know I'm on, I'm on a stage <laughs> and I start going into auto robot mode and I completely lose my hands and my facial expressions go blank and I knitted eyebrow. And my wife's like, where did you go? Uh, so you have to catch me, candid, you know, and Jules has yeah. been really good at helping me just be candid. So it's been a whole lot of fun. 
Well, it's it it is very inf- uh, informational, and as I was telling you before we started recording, I'm going to go back and listen as a coach and write some notes down because I'm getting some nuggets there right. that you know I, I I didn't know about or I wasn't as aware of, and so it is it's so informational, and I love the format that you guys use because thank you it it is. It's great. And I got to admit, I like the, the acting part being only about 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. Because it, you know, you can kind of see what the issue is, but you don't really see it or hear it until you guys talk about it in the afterthoughts. So yeah. it's just a perfect division too of, of how you spend your right. time, you know. I got a, yeah. I, I got Thank a question. You. I want to, I, I got to kick off this first question yeah. and it is about the ADHD stuff, not so much about the podcast. I am curious for both of you. If you find that you learn something new about ADHD in the process of communicating in this way about ADHD. Uh, I would say that my initial thought on that is, one, uh, I had no idea what it felt like to be understood at the level of the disruption of distress that I have internally, but doing a project that was this deep and vulnerable and authentic with a, with my son who got to work with me professionally. He grew up with me. He gets to watch this distress of mine and what I go through. Uh, I, there has been a, a, a validation and a relaxation inside me. I don't think was there and I'm an expert in this and I've been playing with it for years but as for those who have ADHD, it is a, it's such a rare occasion, uh, maybe outside of a counseling session or with someone who really understands it, do they really, really get it? Do they really stress that it creates in your life? And so I'm, I'm actually in the middle of a bit of a transformation reflection period of like, wow, I've never had something like this. So I did not expect that to come from this podcast, Pete. Not at all. Yeah, I mean, I like... I mean, of course, I've been around it my whole life, you know, and so I've I've seen the different strategies that James has or that my dad has built uh, and the different techniques and everything. And I've heard him talk about it, but I've never really seen their implementation, you know, and I've never seen them in action um, and kind of like what he was saying. I got to see him use them, you know, and I got to see him go through these distresses and these different, uh, you know, kind of storms, you know, really, that's what they were, and use these different techniques to calm himself down and recenter. Um, and then literally, you know, an hour later, go talk about it on a podcast in relation to a character that we wrote about. Yeah. Like, you know, like <laughs> that, that was a very strange dichotomy, because it was like, it was, it was morphing real life and, and fictional. Um, and, and we could, it was hard at times to distinguish between the two. <laughs> um, <laughs> our fiction is now our reality. Is yeah. that what you're telling yeah. me? Jones? Yeah, yeah. You know, every week I I hear you, uh, Jules in particular, and I wonder at what point is he going to come back on the show and says, "Well, thanks to the complex, I now have ADHD." Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, I feel like it sometimes. There's it's it's interesting because I have characteristics of ADHD. Sure. You know, as we all, that is the nature of yeah. as we all disorder, do. Right. Um. And uh, so I'll find myself 
doing work. You know, I'll be doing four different projects at once. I'll literally, you know, be doing one thing and then like the page ta- is taking too long to load. So I'll jump to a totally different project, you know, and I'm, and I'm doing these things and I'm like <laughs> seeing myself as like genius boy, you know, or I'm seeing myself as like one of these people in the complex and I'm like, Oh God, what's happening? <laughs> then you step back and realize that page only took about six seconds to load right. and you had already moved exactly. on. Yeah, no, I totally yeah. get that. Right. Well, and Jules, I have to tell you, because you and I are in the same situation, I don't have ADHD either, but there are times where I'm like, do I? Because I need to think about what I would tell my client in the situation that I am in right now so that I can get through it. Like, how do I break this down? How do I, you know, so you're thinking it through just like I would be talking to somebody else because I don't know. I mean, it's just, it, it, it doesn't rub on you, but it's so Mm -hmm. much part of your life. Yeah. it's just there and my yeah. husband always teases me because he's like um are you sure you don't have it yeah. <laughs> and i'm like are you sure you don't yeah, i was gonna say I your, your husband does. comes from a space of unique <laughs> intimacy with that question yes yeah yeah he took the test and won't tell me what the result is. oh <laughs> yeah oh yes interesting yes well <laughs> I think you've determined the results is what I'm seeing. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need a test for that. (laughs) And it's not, you know, that's not my attempt to do any third, you know, third party diagnostic. That's right. Just just observation. I heard that in one of your afterthoughts. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was actually a, a very like, I, I think good kind of mistake that happened was like in the script writing, we we mislabeled one of the um, characters, and so we mislabeled. We said that they were hyper. I think it was crispy, right? Mm-hmm. We said that crispy was hyperactive when he was really inattentive, and that's what we said in the episode. And um, it really just kind of displayed perfectly, like you know, you can't have a third party diagnosis, even if even if it's a spouse, like. Uh, talking about the symptoms of this person and like talking about all these different things that they go through. A therapist can't diagnose off of that. Like that is something that's really, really important to know um, as audience members that are listening to this kind of thing is that, you know, this is not a diagnostic tool. Uh, It is a way for us to get information about ADHD out there so that you can maybe, you know, have the curiosity to go and get tested or go and have uh, this information figured out. So you bring up a really good point because that was one of the questions that I I wanted to review because I didn't write it down. In that particular episode, you really went into more detail about what inattentive ADHD looks like. Yeah. And you had the percentages of the three different types of ADD. And I don't remember, was it 5% that is inattentive? It's 10, 10, 10% as a general rule, 5% is hyperactive impulsive and 85% is combined type. Okay. So what I thought was so interesting about that is that we did an inattentive um, show just a few weeks ago with um, another therapist. And we did that show because we had a lot of listeners that came in and said, I really want to talk more about inattentiveness. And it was so interesting to me that you connected the motivation piece to that yep. because that's yeah. what they were all looking yep. for. They all had that piece that I don't know how to get motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, do do you mind just kind of talking a little bit on that? Um, no, I don't at all because I um, 
I think it's probably one of the most significantly, I don't know if misunderstood, it's just not well understood on the inattentive spectrum. And I talk about, sure, the focus and concentration is disrupted from a neurochemical, neurodevelopmental, neurological point of view. But motivation is the one that really is, I talk about it like sand in your hand. You try to grip it and it just gets less and it starts falling out and you can't, and it was there yesterday and suddenly it's just kind of like the wind, it disappears. Mm -hmm. And so when you tell someone with the inattentive type of ADHD this, they go, wow, no one's ever explained that to me, but that's exactly what's happening to me is that I was motivated 10 minutes ago and now I'm not. And my mom's wondering, or my wife is wondering, and my boss is wondering why I'm staring off into space again, Mm -hmm. but I had it. So to access motivation in that space, and maybe a little bit longer of a conversation, partly of what I'm getting ready to go into, I'm developing a video education series that we're let, uh, releasing in May, which is hmm. me really going through the theoretical depth on a lot of my concepts and the way that things set up. And in this case, motivation, you have to resource it from a, such a personal meaning point of view of something that activates a sense of interest. It activates a neurological uh, uh, burst of excitement of something that you feel like pulled toward. And so the personalization is the real key, Nikki, because mm-hmm. um, there are more than, you know, a few thousand or more books, right, on how to motivate yourself. But there aren't a lot of books that are going to say, oh, the motivation has to come from the inside out. Mm-hmm. You have to determine it. And when you're motivated, it's not hard to tell me it, it will pick up a burst of energy. So um, a, a case in point, I was recently discussing uh, the ideas of motivation on the inattentive spectrum. OK, and this person was having a very difficult time in school. This was a young adult uh, really staying motivated with professors, with boring routine tasks. Mm-hmm. And in conversation, I'm always looking for where their passion is. Where's your natural interest in life? What naturally grabs you? Uh, And here was a child who loved computer games from five years old on, um, even taught himself to read in some perspective by having to play computer games and read the instructions. And so I said, what if you layered that passion and interest and your, uh, I think it was a chemistry class, your chemistry class suddenly became a video game what if it became the analysis of a video game and the look on his face was like i never Mm. thought of that right i never thought about trying to resource motivation through something that's naturally interesting to me and sometimes that layover as it would be a strengths-based kind of model as we might know it in the Mm -hmm. adhd world but Mm -hmm. so motivation a lot of personal interest a lot of personal meaning um it's a neurological burst of energy, of excitement, uh, and there's 10,000 ways to get to it, but they all have to be resourced from the inside out. And so you really have to personalize the strategies around mm-hmm. it. Uh, which is help? absolutely. And which is really the theme that I've, that I've listened to is that personalization. Personalize, yeah. personalize. Yeah. It seems, I mean, that's, that's the key is what I'm getting. Well, yeah. Well, there's never going to be one. Path that works for everybody, right. you know, and and I think that's especially true with ADHD. Um, there's not one method that can be like 
this will work for all ADHD people, you know, because it, there is such a wide spectrum of uh, like symptoms and, and mm-hmm. ways that people interact with their own ADHD. The fact that you can go from people who completely lose their motivation and really don't like are, are almost you know, just kind of sitting there and not doing anything to people who are like hyperactive and literally bouncing off the walls Mm -hmm. uh, and everywhere in between that, that in and of itself can show you just how wide the spectrum of ADHD is. is. And, um, and taking this, this view of personalizing it for that person is really the only way that is going to be ever effective. Well, and I was just going to say, I think that that takes the pressure off of people too, because I think that one of the things I see so many times with my clients is that all or nothing, well, if this didn't work exactly the way it told me it was going to work, then I guess it just doesn't work for me. Right, exactly. Yeah, and then they start feeling that shame and something's wrong with me. And so, yeah, so I think... And here comes comes the emotional distress syndrome, right? Exactly, right. Right. And so, but I, I, I'm going to give a spoiler alert here again. Okay. Because <laughs> okay. it's really key on the personalization. So, you know, the personalizing of strategies has become so uh, near and dear to me because I, I certainly have given recommendations and have seen the 20 strategies on multiple psychological testings and they don't make any sense to anyone. So that's what kind of bore out this sense that it's got to be personalized. But even in personalization, we know the aspect of being consistently inconsistent. Sometimes things work and then they yeah, don't. Yeah. So like motivation throwing, going through my hand like sand, uh, my motivation or my personal strategy could work for two weeks and then I'm not interested in it anymore. So I also want to let people know that when you personalize a strategy, it doesn't mean it's going to last forever. It's going to last until you're interested in it. And then right? when you're yeah. not, you're not. Right. But and you that's go back, okay. And it right. is. Yeah, you're yeah. willing okay. to change it and keep adapting yeah. it. You do. You do. And so the ability to be adaptable and move with it, I think you're right. If you give people that information, there's a sense of relaxation that comes from it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. For sure. I wonder if you could reflect a little bit on what, uh, back to the, the podcast in particular, as you're talking about some of these issues, did anything surprise you in terms of what uh, your listeners connected with the most? I think, you know, it's it's interesting because we didn't have a ton of listener interaction. Um, and I think that's for a few reasons. I think it's partly because we didn't have a great space for them to come and interact with. So we didn't have like a Facebook page or we didn't have anything like that. I noticed um, your Facebook YouTube. page sprung up. Uh, yeah, we, which we do not, not, which we, uh, <laughs> recently. <laughs> We do now. We put it up in the last. That was last one piece of feedback weeks. from someone. Hey, get a Facebook yeah. page up. I'm like, hey, what it's a like, great idea, man! Why totally didn't we think that. of that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so that that was you know one of the major reasons, and also uh, like people don't necessarily want to put their comment in like a review or something like that. Um, you know. So I think yeah. that's probably the biggest key to me, uh, Pete. Did you did you finish? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the biggest piece was. It kicked up, and what I heard when, and I heard this more locally from clients listening to it and things like this um, uh, around my practice was it emotionally 
authentic and validating to them that it was like they were listening to their own homes. They were listening to their own conversations. And so it was like looking in a mirror and it wasn't necessarily shame or embarrassment. It was just like, oh, my God, that's exactly what happens to me. And so there is a degree of exposure that someone's yeah. not ready to kind of show that part of themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, but I will tell you, and I, I think I may have mentioned this in an email to y'all that um, I did have a um, uh, one story where a family listened to the podcast on a road trip, you know, where three out of four in the family uh, have a diagnosis of ADHD and they just, they laughed about it. They were able to talk about the afterthoughts and the strategies. And, uh, and the spouse who was diagnosed ADHD would look over at his uh, spouse he was married to and he would say, Oh, God, this is exactly what happened. She and she would roll her eyes and go, Yep. <laughs> and, but it became this way of a, of a camaraderie and a communion. Uh, between the family to discuss it, which really lets out the struggle degree. So I do think it's the emotional piece of feedback, at least that I've gotten yeah. locally, Pete. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, you know, to that point, I, uh, I know you released the podcast in terms of, you know, episode afterthoughts, episode afterthoughts, but one really compelling way to, to engage in the show is just to listen to the episodes and not the afterthoughts. Uh, yeah. because it makes, you know, uh, roughly it's a little over an hour of, of, uh, and it feels like, uh, a, like all your story. It's a great way to binge, right? You get this whole story yeah. and then mm-hmm. you can go back and do the learning part later. But I, I really like it because again, it, it feels really familiar, you know, mm-hmm. I, I feel a little bit like it's, it's verboten to say this out. I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, I, th- it's the same feeling I get with the original Cosby show that felt so close to my family. The things they were making fun of were, and laughing sure. about and helping me laugh about were the things that were painful right. in my own family. And that's a yeah. real right. gift. It's very rare to right. find that. Well, I really appreciate that, Pete. It's yeah. not, I don't know that it was, I knew, I knew we were presenting an authentic model. Uh, I had no idea that this was going to come behind it. Um, yeah, I don't think we could have ever predicted. I mean, I think it is understandable in, in the way that we did create it, you know, because it was in every, in every sense of the creation of it, we had someone with ADHD almost fact checking and making sure like, yeah, no, that's what happens. Uh huh. That's what happens. You know, cause it was, it was me and Robin who wrote it. Um, and Robin is, you know, definitely ADHD. Like she is, <laughs> she is all over the place, but just a creative fire hose, you know? Um, and, and so I got to work with that and, and I would have like different ideas and she'd be like, well, what if we did this? And I was like, yeah, sure. That, I mean, if that's more ADHD, definitely, you know, I, I want that to be a part of this. And, um, and then like having the afterthoughts be me and James who has ADHD, like every single aspect of it had almost fact checking of like, is this relatable to ADHD? And, uh, you know, so I, so I'm glad that it came across as that kind of that genuine nature. And it really is nice to, nice to hear that it was that relatable. 
I think it's relatable. And I think that, um, it, you know, when I was listening to some of the, the characters going back and forth, I just know as a coach, I heard some of those things over and over and over again. And I just, and I was so curious to know what the afterthoughts were going to be. It's like, okay, how's James going to handle this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. what's he going to say? They really box you know? themselves into a corner now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I just, I keep going back to like when you were talking about academics and, you know, I've told, I work with college students as well as adults with ADHD. And I, I can tell you, I mean, many of the conversations start out that the colleges are not set up for ADHD. They're not ADHD friendly. And so it was really affirming to me to also hear you say there are so many details when it comes to getting a degree. Oh yeah. You know, and yeah. Yeah. um, so I just, yeah, I, I definitely think it's relatable. I can see so many people in their cars just nodding their head. Yes, yeah. that's me. That's me. Well, and, <laughs> and I think that um, it's intriguing because I have, I talk about I live in a, in a little cave in South Austin, Texas. My office is this little enclave down in this little kind of garden area. And uh, <laughs> I just signed a new five-year lease. I'm like, I'm <laughs> um, because it's so personal and we, but we've had, I actually had a number of people that walk into my office and they're going, this is exactly like the book describes. There's the little fountain. You know, and my wife's like, that fountain is so old. We got to get rid of it. I'm like, you can't get rid of it. It's part of the icon now. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, it's so it's part of the um, branding, That's right. but, I think part, but I think part of that is, um, I have been working so close to the front lines for so, so many years. Yeah. I really wasn't checking out, is this going to work? Is this working for other people? Is this really effective? I was just trying to get clients really good functional strategies and kept increasing my skill set. Um, and kind of a case in point with that, I have 10 local therapists in a consultation training program. Uh, that's a 10, uh, that's uh, six sessions, two hours apiece for diagnostics, all my theories, uh, to get other people involved in what I do. Right. And I am getting feedback from them that the strategies work, mm -hmm. that these are really effective. They are helpful. So I'm getting some test runs outside of my little cave in South Austin, Texas. And, you know, Nikki, one of the things I use a bit is an academic coaching interview form that I had to create that goes through classes and, and looks at, uh, are they meeting with professors, things like this that circumvent the executive functioning of the mind. And so there's lots of people or uh, lots of academic pieces like that to help students circumvent. Uh, but I also will tell you on the college front, we have a local university here um, who is beginning to do 30 minute academic coaching check-ins once a week on systems and follow through. And so colleges are starting to really support the process in a way that's meaningful, that's not labor intensive and, um, and too counseling oriented. And can make such a difference, yeah. such a difference to those students. Yeah, that's Absolutely. great. Absolutely. So what's next for you guys? You, you talked about a webinar. We're talking about season two. Like we're throwing yeah. that out there. Yeah, just so <laughs> what's it going to be so called? The condo? The, the new, de new development of single family homes. The... <laughs> there's a lot of room, you guys. <laughs> Boy, don't get us started. But oh, man. I'll let you about where his future is heading in the next few months, which is really exciting. And for myself, um, I, I am finishing a video education series, which is um, um, 
six, actually seven, seven, seven yeah. one-hour videos on all my theoretical perspectives that expands on what's in the book, that expands on what's in the afterthoughts. But you hear me really go through the process um, of all the different areas of ADHD and how it sets up. So someone has it for use, and people can reach me in a way um, that they can't get to Austin. So I wanted to get my information out there just out of book form. And that's um, almost like in a lecture, almost like a lecture series. Mm-hmm. So like you'll get you'll get PDF documents with the outline of how the uh, video will be laid out with like sections to take notes in if you'd like. Um, and then the way that James go about goes about it goes about it in the video uh, is, you know, very structured of like, okay, why do you even care about this? You know, or like, here's a practical example of it. And here's yes. like it in real life. And why would yeah. families need to know this? Right. Why do professionals need to know this? It's so very it answers questions and yeah. kind of through the process, but it's the quickest way, uh, you know, Nikki and Pete, that I can get people information on what I do. I'm a single individual. I love what I do. I really am not going to start a huge center and hire a bunch of people. It's just not a model that works for me neurologically, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, in business development. Um, so the video uh, uh, education series is one. The other thing that I've just recently come up with and I just started, Jules is starting to play with, I'm calling them shiny shorts. And <laughs> I'm not sure about this. Uh, shiny <laughs> shorts. The, the jury's well, out on that name. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking out. at well, Jules' face I'm, as you talk about it. I see your glee. <laughs> it is not shared. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the the context. Let's put the context on it. Okay, these are these are thirty to forty five second little uh, uh, videos of me talking about all the strategies I use to take care of myself. Okay, so I'm holding up for the Facebook people. This is little uh, earth magnets that I make into all these different shapes and mm-hmm. sizes, and it keeps me. It's a white noise part of my brain okay well that white noise would be one of those little shiny short videos that would be put out it's just something you know my mind is wanted to drive on um but i will tell you ultimately after the video education series i have committed and i have put this out to my assistant kim and my wife that i'm taking my foot off the gas for three months i really have to take some time back i've produced the book uh we've gotten the podcast series we've got the video education i've had a lot of production on top of seeing 25 to 30 clients a week, um, it's been more than a full-time job. So, uh, but that's what I'm up to. And I'll let Jules yeah. kind of forecast his future a little bit. Well, not so much forecast, but kind of outline it, I guess. Cause, uh, so I am going to be going to grad school in the fall. Um, for, Outstanding. Yeah. So I, I'm taking a leaf off the old family tree. I'm going to be uh, getting a master's of science in behavior analysis. Oh, great. Um, so a lot. That's not necessarily a well-known uh, field in psychology, um, but the way I like to describe it is, is essentially between it's a mixture of like almost social work and clinical uh, so you're looking at a patient's behavior, typically someone who's autistic or who has Asperger's or something like that, um, and you are uh, creating logs of their behavior, how they do it, why they do it, uh, at, you know, what triggers it, all that kind of stuff, and uh, then setting up behavior modification techniques techniques to change those uh, behaviors. And it's actually really interesting because 
Uh, if you look at the different models that have been researched over the years, if you with a lot of things outside of, you know, barring like very, very heavy uh, trauma uh, with a lot of things, if you change the behavior, the emotions will follow suit. You don't have to actually go into the emotions and process those out and, and try and de desensitize those. Uh, they will almost always follow suit with uh, the behavior modification, which I think is really, really cool. Well, and I, I, it is really cool. And yeah. One of the things that's interesting, I, and this is going to be a first because Jill said, oh, I'm going to say this. This is kind of an interesting thought. It's like, uh -oh. I wonder if him <laughs> watching all my disruptive behavior over the making of this podcast <laughs> Wait, but yeah, wait you analyzing the behavior to see yeah. what he makes sense of it. Well, yeah. <laughs> wait, no, you I, see the log he's been keeping, James. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he's been running on yeah. me. Yeah, you don't know. That I've actually been in grad school for the last year. <laughs> <laughs> but we have a little bit of a Truman show going on here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to grad school for behavior analysis, uh, and I eventually. Uh, and planning to work with um, affective disorders. So those in, that includes schizophrenia, bipolar, um, OCD, all different kinds of. Um, He's not going to take on like anything that. challenging like I. No, 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 no not oh, at all. Mike is going to go take on. And the fun part is, I think Jules is going to have the advent and the and the development of neuroscience yeah. as a component of this, yeah. which is a big part of this program. He's he's going to the University of uh, of North Texas, yeah. North Texas up in Denton, which UNC. is very very well known for its counseling program. Yeah. Um, I'm super excited. Yeah, super so I'm excited. I'm super excited, which also makes the idea of a season two kind of a little bit more iffy. Um, you know, well, I could Christmas break. Yeah, whatever. Right, right. You have yeah. Christmas break. <laughs> you know, I have I have the mind of someone who doesn't like um, not finishing projects. So if you get me started, you know it'll it'll get done. So it's yeah. <laughs> as long as as long as we take that first step of getting season two started, uh, it'll it'll get done eventually. See, we have it all planned out. So James, you'll go on your three month you know little vacation, which will be like over the summer and stuff. You'll right. start school in the fall, and then you'll guys will come back at the end of the year, and there you go. Two thousand. I can see it happening. Yeah, I can, I can see it. Happening. It'll be yeah, it'll be very interesting to see where this grows because it's being listened to all over the world. Um, you know, we've been uh, listens in Australia, Russia, Indonesia, all over the Thailand, place. Europe, uh, you yeah. name it. And we've had listeners all over the world. So, South America. Yeah. Uh, it's a little it's a little odd for Jules and I to get used to someone listening to our conversations, much like y'all do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yep, we are motivating and we are informing those, yeah. you know, all over the world right now. Yeah. It's humbling. It's, it's, it is you know, very when you get that email. It's like, wow, that's yeah. You guys are doing great work. When are we going to hear about your webinar series? When is that going to be out and about? Uh, uh, the video. And so it's a actually a video education series. It was a webinar series earlier in the oh, year. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Well, no, that's okay because I actually wrote a whole blog about realizing I had totally overamped myself. I could not do this all year, so I crunched it down into a project. That I still have to finish, and I'm a little on the, you know, back against the wall on <laughs> yeah. purpose strategy. Um, but no, the video education series is coming out in May. Yeah. Uh, and so it's already being pre sold on my website. And as I'm indicating to people, I mean, this is a, to me, a very high value product, and that you're really, really getting me. 
and, and the depth of my knowledge over 30 years. You're getting everything. And I'm just, yeah. that is the only way I have known to do this is to just lay it out there. And that's what I'm doing for the therapist I'm training. And I do think next year, Nikki and Pete, that I will be uh, putting an online uh, training program for therapists in a consultation training model because I really do, uh, I want therapists to be um, more effective in their work with ADHD. Yeah. And as yeah. and not that it's not effective out there to some degree. I just want more information, particularly on the emotional, mental stress side, uh, and how to treat it. I yeah, I agree. I think that's the part that's that's probably missing the most. You know, is dealing with that, that emotion, those emotional storms, and just um, you can get a you can have a strategy thrown at you, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't go a little deeper. You know, right. and I think that's what you're doing. So yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. And, and the deeper part is critical, Nikki, because the deeper part is where it has to come from the inside out. Right, um, yeah. And I will tell you, uh, I was telling Jules in all the podcasts, certainly I liked uh, uh, episode five with Genius Boy, but yeah. episode six with Bernard, and we talk about imagination and this internal sense of safe place. Uh, and I really do in that afterthoughts of uh, the number six. I really go into the details of the science of imagination, how to use it, how to strengthen it, why it's important. Uh, I still think, you know, in my almost now 30 years of treating this, um, it's probably it's going to turn out to be probably the single most effective tool because it's It's internal. No one else can affect it but me. It's I'm in charge of it. So for people that don't know exactly what you're talking about, I know what you're talking about. I've read your book. You know, I talk to clients about it, but can you just briefly kind of explain to people what you're talking about that maybe don't understand where you're going with that imagination? No, and I think it's important, Nikki, because it's it, it, it's very easily misconstrued mm-hmm. and it's pushed off to the sides uh, a lot of times. And so if you look at the science of the mind, the ability to imagine or to see or hear or feel things in your mind's eye of imagination is actually a very powerful tool. Okay. In childhood, it's very concrete. And so you're under a coffee table with a blanket over it, and suddenly you're in a castle uh, in the forest somewhere. Okay, so it's very concrete. I can imagine myself being there under this coffee table when I'm a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get into adolescence, that becomes a metacognition or a meta-thinking ability of abstract thinking. So now I can think before something happens, after it happens, and while it's happening. So I have this ability to cognitively think at a higher level. That in the course of imagination, you are literally building internal world in your imagination that you rely on for mental and emotional calming in yourself, confidence, courage. But we're using the science of the mind that comes out of imagination. And I explain this certainly in Focus Forward. I go into great depth on that in this sixth uh, Afterthoughts show. But I have developed my own internal emotional safe place is what we call it. And it's a common term in psychology to some degree. Um, and I have a very vivid way of visualizing. So I I started mine in 1986. Hmm. I understood the science of it in 1989. Now I have a vast empire in my mind's eye of imagination that I rely on. Okay. Mm-hmm. So someone would say, wow, how do you use that? is probably the most critical tool. So as I'm talking to y'all on this podcast now, the dualistic model of thinking in my mind, 
I can be sitting behind literally my 100-foot waterfall in my nice little meditative position watching the water flow in front of me as I'm talking to you as a professional expert on ADHD. Well, that's a grounding force for me to remember that and think about it. Um, and I go into it a lot more, but maybe that helps enough to help to understand yes. a little bit. I want to take the, the oddity off of it. or And so the last thing I'll say is that I talked to Jules about um, maturing your imagination is what I talk about it as. Learning to use it as a powerful tool. Uh, athletes have, performers have mm-hmm. for years in visualizing themselves. Um, it's just a really great tool to help with the stress of ADHD and I somewhat stumbled on it, but in research of really looking at how to uh, help those with ADHD feel more powerful about themselves, it's a great concept to play with. Right, right. Well, and I know in one of the episodes you even talk about that you have a a, a place to go for sleep. Yes. Yeah, you have yeah. a safe place to go for sleep, which I think is great because I don't think that people realize that you need that safe place sometimes when you can't fall asleep. Well, right. And that with sleep with ADHD, we have to remember to go to sleep. It takes focus to go to sleep. Right. If you can't focus during the day, then it's hard to focus to go to sleep. So now I'm using this as a tie or a tether counting element. And of course, for me, Mr. Shiny, uh, I've got four sleeping environments in my emotional safe place. So I can go sleep in the rainforest. I can sleep next to the fire. (laughs) I can sleep on top of the mountain. Wherever you you want to go. (laughs) Exactly. Where do I want to sleep that night? You know, as I get very comfortable in my real bed. But, yes, that's an example of it, for sure. You know what's so great about that? Fictional cannibal Hannibal Lecter is actually wildly known <laughs> to do the same thing, oh. thanks to author Thomas Harris. And and he references the book The Memory Palace of Matteo Ricci, which is a fantastic book uh, wow. that actually documents uh, Matteo Ricci going to China to try to spread religion. And they traded him access to the people uh, in these villages you know, to, to convert them to Christianity in, and taught him how to do exactly what you're talking about. It is a wonderful wow. book and, uh, totally worth, uh, totally worth investigating if you're a history nerd. Uh, but what, also, is, the na- what is the name of the book again, Pete? Uh, the book is The Memory Palace of Matteo Ricci. Uh, yeah, 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 and I, I have heard, to, yeah, the ideas of imagination and how yes. to use it powerfully, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that was specifically in the context of memory, right? I mean, he's using them to to yeah. place these, uh, you know, uh, mnemonic devices in this, you know, facility of the mind, and, uh, right. you know, so. But really, we're talking about Hannibal Lecter and a nice Chianti. <laughs> well, hey, I have a question, changing the subject. Did we talk about the shiny shorts? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure we did. No, 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 we did. They're little yeah. shiny shorts, yeah. like these little oh, yeah, magnets yeah. and things like that that I okay. use. Okay. So uh, who's on top strategies. of things now, <laughs> Nikki? Uh, no, I tell you what, that, that name is going to fit. We're just going to put it in context. See, it, 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 caught, it caught Nikki's attention. It brought it back. It did. I was thinking, did we, did we define what that was talking about? But yeah, okay. I remember so, the my functional strategies on how I use or how I kind of stay connected with ADHD. And I tell you, I, I tried counting them one time just for a couple of days and I, I had over 75. I was just, yeah. I, they're all over the place. It's yeah. just how I take care of myself. And I don't realize the power of it. I'm realizing the help it can give to others now because it validates, if nothing else, sometimes the little quirky things we do that feel a little strange to others, but they really work for us. 
Absolutely. That That's great. Fantastic. Well, you know what, you guys, this has been so terrific. Thank you so much for taking all this time <laughs> to sit down and talk with us about your shiny shorts and, uh, <laughs> and the complex. And, uh, we're very Hannibal excited. Hector or Lecter Hannibal or whatever Lecter. his name is. Oh, come I know on. he's not a good man. <laughs> Red Dragon. Come on. Uh, anyhow, we're very excited about all this and the uh, impending season two, which I'm sure we'll see announcements of. Stay tuned. Uh, stay tuned. <laughs> We have been walked into it today. Yeah, yeah. that's right. You're right. You're welcome. Uh, and don't welcome. forget, everybody, to uh, check out uh, James's book, Focus Forward, Navigating the Storms of Adult ADHD. Uh, and he's the founder and director of the Life Empowerment Center uh, in Austin, Texas. And if you go to TLEC.com, right? Uh, uh, actually, .info or JamesOchoa.com. JamesOchoa.com. You can do that, and it'll go uh, right there. And you'll get all the information on uh, James's you book will. and this podcast, uh, The, the yes. Complex. Uh, Absolutely. Soon to be blowing the doors off iTunes with season two. Uh, on behalf of <laughs> James and Jules, uh, I'm Pete Wright, and that there is Nikki Kinzer, and we will catch you next week right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. <laughs>